So, Rachel. Yeah? While a group of technologically advanced aliens board the Enterprise to update the ship's computer systems, Riker discovers just how real a holodeck character can be. Oh, God. Is Riker having sex in every episode now? <laughs> like the title, the aliens will be binary, no doubt. They finally found a species with tech worth using, though, instead of finding out about it and then just leaving. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Picard will be laid up with carpal tunnel, let's say. <laughs> Riker will be tempted by love. And meanwhile, Data, Wesley and Bev will attempt to save everyone's lives. Sounds, Any good? Uh, sure, yeah, that sounds yeah, great. I'm getting there now. <laughs> You're getting it. Captain's Log, Stardate 41365.9. The Enterprise has been ordered to Starbase 74 in orbit around Tarsus 3. A routine maintenance check of all systems will be made, certain upgrades completed, including the holodeck with which we've had problems. I anticipate a glowing report. The ship has performed magnificently beyond anyone's expectations. Shame the same can't be said about the captain and crew. Oh. So far. Man. I must say that I am excited because this episode is not just going to be you, Rachel Lackey. Yeah, it's also going to be the voice of Rachel watches Star Trek. It's a Mr. Greg Johnson! Yay! Glad to be aboard. So yes. welcome aboard. Actually, Greg, you are the third member of our show because you have been on every single episode of Rachel oh. Watches Star Trek. He's like the wolf or something. <laughs> I'm the fifth Beatle. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm very proud to be on the team as myself rather than that rather strident space voice. That's generic space voice, isn't it? The kind of <laughs> yeah. space Lost voice. in space. It works perfectly. Well, I haven't seen you, Greg, since lockdown. So this Pretty is the much. closest we've got so far to being yeah. together. We've done yes. Zoom. We've Zoomed. It's interesting isn't it you learn what you miss and what you even with zoom what doesn't zoom give you i'm yeah. just talking about the power of hugs yes. oh, no hugs. bit of hug power and um great hug well true well true i'd like to hug chris i could do with hugging a man oh. i hug my wife but she's it's the standard size there's no variety there yeah i want a good a good pat on the back yeah just stand on a stool every once in a while <laughs> and beef up just and work beef the shoulders. Up, yeah. yeah you are notoriously a star trek fan i am absolutely i should possibly as a sort of caveat or disclaimer before all the stuff i'm about to say i'm a huge fan of star trek tng um, oh. it is my preferred star trek my second favorite is voyager but that's a whole, whole other controversial uh, debate. I did recognise it with a sort of dawning, oh, <laughs> oh, it's this one. I really want to ask you why Deep Space Nine isn't above Voyager, but that is another topic for another day. I know you do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this episode was written by Maurice Hurley and Robert Lewin and directed by Paul Lynch. The episode begins with the Enterprise arriving at Starbase 74, orbiting the planet Tarsus 3 for general maintenance and some upgrades. We've got some beautiful lingering shots. Are these from the motion picture again? No, they're actually from Star Trek 3. Oh. It does have the space porn vibe, doesn't it? Steady as she goes, Mr. This and that and <laughs> beep beep and, you know, thing docking stuff, clamps on, yes, <laughs> aft and for uh, starboard. Then all the, you know, the staff in the kind of boiler suits look up through the window and think, wow, it's a spaceship. And... <laughs> So the ship docks and Picard and Riker are met by Commander Kinteros. Picard with a beard. Uh, but he's played <laughs> yeah. by the actor Gene Donarski, who was on two episodes of the original series. Oh. He was one of the miners on Mud's Women, and he was one of the council members in Mark of Gideon. Oh. Whoa, so many classic apps. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
he's a lucky charm. But no one's looking at him because he's accompanied by two small bald aliens in sparkly bodysuits with tech on their heads and belts. Are these gentlemen the Binars? They're not gentlemen. Or ladies, Commander. They're a unified pair. They're always together. This is 1-0 and this is 0-1. They just finished upgrading the computers on the Wellington. Did a great job. Your reputation precedes you. I'm very pleased you're going to be improving our system. It is a great pleasure to work on such a large mobile computer. Hold the front page. They're not males, but a unified pair of non-binary beings. Didn't have breasts all over the place and hair and stuff. And they could have had breasts all over the place. All over the place. (laughs) I think it's impressive to us that they're non-binary, but Picard and Riker, their minds shouldn't be quite so blown. (laughs) Non-binary? When Riker refers to them as gentlemen. Riker is essentially from the 1950s throughout. (laughs) Yeah. Really, what you need is for Riker to have like fallen through a time hole like Buck Rogers. Yes. So then there's a reason that he's like, wow, this, this holodeck's so convincing. And yeah. yes. Picard is like, wow, she can speak French. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. That's why they're so but impressed. I think, yeah, binariness should really be pretty much par for the course for these guys. So they have to express 20th century views. The binars, they just did some upgrades on the USS Wellington and are now there to work on the Enterprise. Why are we calling ships after military leaders now? It used to be verbs. Uh, What's going on? Are you sure it's not named after a meat product? Yeah. The whole ship is encased in pastry. <laughs> <laughs> but was the pastry named after the same military leader? I would have thought so. Uh, and the boots. And the boots. The binars have become so interconnected with the master computer on their home planet that their thought patterns are close to binary code. Are they? <laughs> I wasn't impressed by that concept. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the idea that everything's yes or no. Right. So it's like they've become so sophisticated that their thought process is incredibly simplified. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Isn't there an idea of quantum computing where it's not just yes or no, that there's variables that you can have, and that would be the computing of the future? There is on, half on, three quarters on. The same amount of data could hold 100 times more information Ooh, yeah. than it could before. Well, they could have done with that on this show, couldn't they? Well, obviously, they didn't know about quantum computing when they wrote this episode of Star Trek. And at the time watching it, people didn't know what we know now. Of course. I understand that. Yeah, I'm still not impressed. Fabulous makeup, though, on these binars. Yes. Mm -hmm. They take it in turns to say parts of each sentence. They're in pairs. What were your thoughts on that? I thought they'd obviously rehearsed it a lot. Yep. A lot of pride. As as a performer, you sort of think, yeah, we're pulling this off. But should it have been written at all? Yes, it doesn't quite have the syntax of a flowing sentence. It's mm. a bit sort of, and then we will go to the toilet or whatever. And it, it's gimmicky, but in practice, is it good? It's like saying that their brains are binary. Let's move on. Let's not think about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't there, make sense. There's a lot of let's not think about it in this episode, which I actually enjoy. However, once you think about it... Because wouldn't then, they just have one of them talk? Wouldn't that be more efficient than swapping back I, and forth mid-sentence? I, I think it's them trying to show that they share a brain. The story doesn't come out of that, though. It doesn't particularly no. add anything. Watching it critically, you always imagine rewriting it, don't you? So, OK, let's take this idea. and what, what would you do with it? And if they think like computers, they could be a thing where they act in a way that we don't understand because they know they know outcomes that that we just can't quite comprehend. Oh, yeah, so sure. a slightly Skynet kind of Ultron approach to life. Sure. Where they might do things that seem incredibly severe or unfair, but they can see ahead and they know this is the right thing to do. Or... And that would have been good because it could have seemed so dangerous until the last second where they complete the whole process that they were aware yeah. of. Yes. Successful. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's a good way of having a twist. Walking back to the bridge, Riker and Picard talk about their shore leave plans. Picard wants to just curl up with an old novel in his quarters. (laughs) He's so excited about that. He wants to turn on his personal relaxation light. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's just a lamp. Why why in the 24th century, am I right in saying? (laughs) It might have a bit of heat to it, I guess. It's just a very bright screen that plays porn. getting lost in an old novel. It's like a post-it note with a character point on it. I like old <laughs> books. Also, Riker states in entirety he is his work but finds it very hard to relax. Mm-hmm. He then goes and spends yeah. about 45 minutes in the holiday when he should be doing <laughs> other stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, Riker, his personality here is he, he says he doesn't like to plan his shore leaves because he's, you know, free and easy. He wants to be open-minded and see what, what comes his way. He goes, something mm. will turn up. It always does. That's what he says. At least then your expectations aren't too high, like Chester Zoo <laughs> last week. <laughs> it's just the oh, only dear. thing we've done since lockdown, so we've been building it up way too much. Yeah. And it just yeah. rained all day and the animals stayed hidden and it was a lot of walking. And there was nowhere to sit down because everything blind. was closed inside. Sorry, we went to the beach on Friday and it was lovely. On the bridge, Wesley is watching the binars. There are four now, buzzing around each other, tightly packed and twittering. I enjoyed that. I like their performances. Yes, I thought it was plausible that that behaviour causes a bit of suspicion. Yes, they seem anxious. I mean, you never know with an alien race, do you? And Wesley's really thinking his his socks off. (laughs) But Riker should be more suspicious instead of going off and having a little holodeck holiday. Yeah. Riker's walking the halls. He runs into Worf and Yar and two others who are in these crazy outfits for a sports game called Parisi Squares. (laughs) It's wonderful how much costuming effort has gone into this 30-second bit. Especially for the two non-talking characters. Yeah. <laughs> Unflinchingly tight blue lame. And they're carrying these short, fat yoga mats, which sometimes cover their crotches a bit. <laughs> Not sure it covers wharfs. I've seen everything. Uh, in those tubes, they are their ion mallets. You don't know about Parisi Squares? Me? I do. I was wondering if this is the first instance of Parisi Squares. It is. Yes. It's, it's quite dangerous, isn't it? It, it? Later on, it becomes the game where you get injured a lot, I, I believe. They invite Riker to join, but he doesn't want to throw off their rhythm. That's a good one for you introverts out there. Good excuse. <laughs> There's some bit of business with Worf saying, why have rules if it's not the winning that counts? And Yar says, that was a joke. Worf's getting a sense of humour. I'm glad that Riker just had enough time to correct Worf's uh, values and worldview. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to play with you, Black, and just stop in the corridor for a second to say, no, Mr. Wolf, don't take it seriously, you loser. <laughs> no, no, Mr. Wolf. It's like that um, compilation of people saying no to, to, to Wolf on YouTube. Oh, oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why have him if they don't like his culture or like him? This whole season is a bigger theme, but it has this formality. You can tell they're not friends. They've kind of just met. Mm-hmm. You can tell that Patrick Stewart hasn't relaxed and started having fun yet. Yeah. Later, um, Riker calls Picard Sir when it's just the two of them. Yeah. Right. The warmth and the friendship you feel later on, which really is kind of the, the glow of the show. That's what's so lovely about it. I might like that. Mm. You will. How cultural is humour? Do you think all cultures like someone falling over? Well, a ball in the nuts? Or farting? Greg farting. is a comedy sensation so he should know i take star trek far too seriously i'm not i'm not here to be to be amusing (laughs) Um, i think farting is the most globally funny thing really oh wow apparently yeah um, or sort of breaking wind yeah but then there are other cultures where you know you laugh um at someone getting hurt more than you laugh at sort of it's not about empathy it's about Mm. laughing at the disadvantages of others Mm. right which Klingons do do so if you were on a ship full of aliens well just people of different nationalities never mind aliens you'd sort of have to slightly accept 
well, that's what I find funny. Yeah. Mm-mm. He will have his yeah. own sense of humour, not a lack of a sense of humour, presumably. Yeah. The only person who's asking to be sort of taught to be human is Data. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's yeah. okay. Leave Waff alone. <laughs> so Riker's on his own and the hall lights dim and he checks up with the computer. They say that they're shutting down non-essential systems for the upgrade. Why are they all even on the ship? I Go d- to the mall. I don't know. Get off the ship. Yeah. You think you have an opportunity. Riker then barges in on Data and Geordi. They're exploring Data's ability to be creative. He's painting on glass. I thought it looked quite cool. I like that. It's the bit where Riker says, a blind man trying to teach an android how to paint hence <sighs> laughs and Ooh. leaves the room. So creepy. Ooh. I don't call Geordi a blind man. He's He's got a, just a different vision, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. he's he's differently mm-hmm. visioned. Definitely. And Geordie doesn't laugh along with it or... No, he doesn't. I mean, you could give that line to Geordie. Have Geordie say, this is one of the history books, you know, a blind guy trying to teach. And that's that's fine. That's different. Yeah. He's punching down. This whole ep should be called Riker Punches Down. (laughs) (laughs) A bit like Riker Sits Down, another YouTube compilation. Oh, Oh, yeah. He just walks around the ship abusing people and then roll credits. (laughs) What a jerk. Just swanning around giving his smug opinion, barging in on people. There was something a bit lonely about it as well. Like some kind of bullyish, unpopular kid going around poking people, but no one wants to play with him. Yeah. yeah. Riker stops in at sickbay, but gets a brush off from Dr. Crusher. Seems that she's meeting with a Professor Epstein who will help her with her research, combining cybernetics and regeneration. <sighs> Since when? <laughs> she's got little fun side projects when she's not curing diseases. Well, she is psyched about it. This is all vital stuff. Like not a one scene you could remove. It's every line <laughs> essential. Riker settles on a holodeck holiday where he doesn't have to play anybody else's games and he can control everything, presumably. (laughs) The Binars tell him it's upgraded and ready. He creates the Bourbon Street Bar in New Orleans, 1958. The writers continue to fetishise periods of their own lifetime as though these would still be the only iconic times. Surely something good has happened since. Obviously, it's for the audience. If they go, hey, I'm going to go to New Orleans in 22.5 or something, nobody knows what that is or what that's about. And it'd be more expensive. Times are tough in New Orleans right now with the pandemic. And you remember our sponsors, La Belle Esplanade? Yeah. They posted that St. Charles Tavern, which has been operating continuously 24 hours a day for the last 103 years. Whoa. Has shut down. Oh, yeah. it's never shut before, ever since it opened. As oh, the hurricane was going on, they were still open, I guess. Wow. So Riker summons up a jazz trio, a trombone for himself, and a one-woman audience. <laughs> Creepy rating ten. <laughs> yeah, the idea that that audience was too many. Well, it had men in it, didn't it? <laughs> I remember in the film um, *I Robot*, Will Smith. He's in the twenty-second or whatever century, but you know he loves baseball and like classic converse sneakers mm-hmm. and oh. yeah so you have to have this swaggery han solo space hero guy who just for some reason really loves 20th century like how cisco <laughs> loves baseball in deep space nine and i guess it's meant to make them accessible but i don't i don't need that personally yeah Creepy. it's weird it's even weirder is he customizes her appearance yeah it's so objectifying a blonde is very nice but doesn't really go with jazz eh <laughs> i don't know what what is that about? Yeah. At no point is any disapproval of Riker's attitude in, in no. this episode at all. Basically, we're sort of watching him set his kind of, you know, Pornhub preferences or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and just sort of smiling to himself like, hmm, it's great. There are no real people here at all. Mm, yes. <laughs> I want to play my trombone in front of people who might not like it. <laughs> Finally, he decides on a woman called Minuet played by Carolyn McCormick, best known for her 87 episodes on Law & Order. 
Come on, minuet. <laughs> that just pissed me off. I'm also sorry because the reveal is not worth the pan up from her feet. <laughs> the hair is a bold choice. <laughs> the hair is a really bold choice that's kind of nodding towards 58, but really is fully in 88 or 9 or whatever it is. Oh, right, yeah. I remember an iconic pan up of Leonardo DiCaprio in Romeo and Juliet, and that was just Swoon City. Everyone in the cinema falling over. Yeah, me too. This, I felt that. Not so much, but maybe it was at the time. Is <laughs> no, it the it lighting? Wasn't. Is it the hair? Is it the makeup? The casting? I think she's a pretty woman. Oh, yeah, very much so. Something they do she... with her hair and her makeup, it's not flattering. What's the jaw thing that's going on? <laughs> Is there quite a jaw thing in the 80s for women generally? Like shoulder pads, masculine jaw? I love a strong jaw. Yeah. Belinda Carlisle. Oh, oh yeah. Forget okay. it. Yeah. Robocop with his helmet off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you hit on the word lighting is definitely important there. It's like they've lit it for like they're going to do a game show in there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and then he talks about her being sultry and the, the words do not match. Mm. Yeah. So there's quite a lot of that in, in this episode, like where he refers to the two binars as gentlemen. And you think yeah. you wouldn't they're say that. Obviously women. Yeah, he can't imagine what Data's painting is supposed to look like. It's obviously planets or a sun. Crossed yeah. with a fried egg. <laughs> and then he says, oh, she's very sultry. And it's that thing of just the realisation and that what's in the script just not quite jibing. On the bridge, Wesley's watching the binars doing their thing. He asks them how they process information so quickly. And they point to their little belt computers. They are their buffers. Does that explain it? No. Picard shows up looking for Riker, and instead of calling him, he goes down to talk to him in person. That is not cool. In the holodeck. You don't go in on somebody's experience, do you? No. We barge in on Riker, who is playing his trombone with a piano, double bassist, and drums. It sounds great, actually, and it's kind of a sweet moment, I thought. It's that nice jazz, not the wanky jazz. Yeah, it's not a jazz odyssey. Yeah. I'm a bit of a sucker for where they've had a conversation with the cast about, well, what can you do? Jonathan Freights can play the trombone, therefore, why shouldn't Riker play the trombone? And you can tell there will have been several producers who said trombones aren't sexy, but I bet it was Gene Roddenberry who kind of said, no, we're going to go with trombone. And so I quite like that. But then watching Riker have all these imaginary friends, like the sort of the, the hit yeah. black guy, and it's like, hey, I've got a black friend, you know, tick. Yes. <laughs> wow, that guy's a hero. It's like, I don't know, man, she's into you. It's like, computer, turn up how many people tell me that that girl's into me, please. <laughs> exactly. So realistic. He wants to get caught. That's his thing. Oh, oh that now makes you've got sense. him. That's setting on porn up, bursting on me setting. <laughs> Riker says he has to leave. Is it to check on the aliens he doesn't trust? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. She quite easily convinces him not to by saying, let's have a dance. Uh -huh. She's just so realistic, he swoons. By which he means brown hair and brown nose. She gets him talking about his job. He doesn't have to ask her any questions. It's great. Yeah, she's the perfect woman. Yeah. She says you're great and there's literally nothing to learn about her. Yeah. <laughs> but again, there's no judgment of that. No. Yeah, it's creepy. Not to spoil later episodes, but they, they get much more psychologically into what does the holodeck mean and what kind of person would maybe get addicted to that mm. rather than real life. Yeah. But you can tell this is early two-dimensional no we don't question that mm -hmm. as they're dancing Riker and Minuet kiss then of course Picard walks in right when they're kissing <laughs> he apologizes he didn't leave though <laughs> but he doesn't leave yeah can I watch <laughs> <laughs> she asks to be introduced to Picard and then she totally flirts with him and in, in French Picard is highly impressed with this program <laughs> it's as if there is no 
I don't know, technology that translates people's languages instantly. <laughs> yeah. Why is he impressed by this? Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. It's like being introduced to a Terminator and then being impressed that they can speak two languages. <laughs> but she's a holographic woman. <laughs> and she's from the century you're from. You're not from the past. They, they met a lot of characters a few weeks ago. They treated him as the detective, I suppose. That's different, isn't it? They weren't responding to Picard's own personality. I guess. This episode was originally intended to be filmed and aired before The Big Goodbye, uh, with the latter's holodeck malfunction explained as having been caused by the Binar's modifications. Well, that would have made a bit more sense. Wesley alerts Data to a problem with the magnetic containment field that holds the antimatter. They rush to engineering and find that it's deteriorating, which will destroy the ship. Yikes. Yeah. Don't they twig that that's been caused by the Binars, though? <laughs> no, they you don't. Think. Yeah. <laughs> Data calls a red alert and LaForge tries to figure out how to fix the problem, but he can't stop it. Why don't holodecks automatically shut down on red alert? Well, because the Binars have specifically set this up, as we will find out, to keep Riker there. That's why they fiddled with it. Yeah. I just want to say, I know it feels like we're going through the plot rather slowly and taking our time. This is halfway through the episode. <laughs> The genius of this is it's a binary episode, right? For the first half, nothing happens. And then for the second half, something happens. And, and n never the twain shall meet. So basically, an exciting incident. We're 22 minutes in. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. They realize they only have four minutes before the antimatter is released, blowing up the Enterprise. Data can't get a hold of Riker or Picard, so Data is now in command. He calls for everyone to abandon ship. Well done, Data. There are lots of shots of people leaving the ship. This must be more filler because they didn't have enough <laughs> script. This goes on for like a minute of just people running around. Well, it's cheap because some of the footage is from where no one has gone before. It's uh, nice to see some safety measures being used. I've no idea why they're all still there, though. Data and Jordy beam onto the Starbase and quickly realize that Riker and Picard aren't there. Data wants to beam back, but there's no time. The Enterprise backs out. The antimatter reaction doesn't happen for some reason. And they realize that they've been tricked and the Enterprise warps away. But why does the computer report that they are the last two aboard, Data and Geordi? Have because they the binaries. fiddled with that as well? Yeah. And the com badges don't work to yeah. the holodeck. Picard and Riker are still having their amazingly realistic threesome. Picard, <laughs> thinks... <laughs> Picard thinks he should check on the ship and doesn't fall for Minuet's attempts to keep him there. He opens the holodeck and they hear the alert and discover an empty ship. The computer fills them in. Minuet has info for them for some reason as well. Yeah. Yes, I was programmed to keep Riker here and getting the Picard slice of bread for my sandwich was a bonus. <laughs> uh, again, I just want to say in terms of structure, you could have leaving the holodeck and realising there's an alarm as the pre-title grabber. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on. But True. they've realised that she's an irrelevant character, so they have to keep coming back and interviewing her. Yeah, she becomes the voice of the baddies and can answer some questions, but then isn't programmed to answer others to kind of make the mystery work. <laughs> stretch out. I don't know if working is the right word, but definitely stretches <laughs> yeah, it out. Does it work? At the Starbase, they discuss chasing the ship, but there are no nearby functioning starships. Data notices that the Binar are missing and suspects that they stole the ship. Picard and Riker enter the weapons room. Picard is going to do something for the first time in this series. Mm. Jean-Luc Fu, Riker Arte. Don't phase those cute little Binars, though. I like them. <laughs> There's the scene which I've seen in memes from this episode where it's Riker and Picard marching down the hallway in step. Very what, from badass. This? Yeah. Oh, they're First. a pair now, like the Binars. I liked it when you called them Rikard. Let's do that from now on. <laughs> well, they don't hardly do stuff together, though, in the show. It's, or it's... Captain and Son. 
<laughs> First, Picard and Riker go to engineering and set the self-destruct. A minute ago, they were so relaxed with these beings fiddling around with their ship while they tucked into a good book or trombone. And now they assume that they'll destroy planets with it, I guess. So much that they have to set to self-destruct. Well, you can't have the ship going in enemy hands. They've only nicked it. I liked the admittance that the ship is a vast weapon. Yeah, mm. it is. And the kind of, we'll have to destroy it. if they, Again, the drama really amps up around, around minute 25. <laughs> <laughs> They've got five minutes to shut down the self-destruct. The bridge is closed off, so they decide to beam onto the bridge. The crew realise someone's in control of the Enterprise and Data blames himself for having some self-care that he didn't need. He should have stayed on the bridge. Does he feel guilt? Is he just being logical? Data, he smiles slightly at the start, and in this scene he feels guilty. Yeah. In terms of emotionality, he's second only to Zachary Quinto's spot. <laughs> in the words of Bender the robot, robots can't feel emotions, and that makes me very sad. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to stop the episode there. We went on to talk so much with Greg that it extended into almost an hour's worth of conversation, and we've broken it up into two episodes. So 11001001 is going to be a two-parter. Who knew? We didn't plan it. It was just good fun, and so there you go. I want to thank our patrons for supporting our show. If you're not a patron, please consider going over to Patreon, checking out some of the added bonus stuff you can get a comment show and at a higher level you get bonus content every month it's lots of fun we have a great community over there so please go on and check it out and i want to thank greg johnson for jumping on the show with us greg is an awesome actor you can see him on the mash report or go to his youtube page that's greg g-r-e-i-g johnson find lots of great comedy bits over there some of which include yours truly it's good fun and with that i'm chris lackey and you've been listening to rachel watches star trek